Hey everyone, welcome back to the Film Fund Podcast. I'm your host, founder, and executive producer at the Film Fund, Thomas Verity. I'm also an award-winning filmmaker, producer, and film festival judge. I started the Film Fund to give filmmakers an easier, alternative way to get their films funded. Instead of working on a screenplay, crowdfunding campaign, or grant application, you write one sentence pitching your film for a chance to receive up to $10,000 and other prizes to make it. Our winter 2022 narrative and doc funding contests are now closed. I want to thank everyone for entering and say that we're excited to begin the judging process. I want to remind listeners that contests do happen regularly, so if you're listening at a later date, check the website at thefilmfund.co for the most up-to-date information. Today we have Chris Guerrero on the show, Film Fund winner from a previous contest. Very excited to chat with him about his career, his winning pitch, and just about everything we can talk about with film. So, uh, Chris, thanks so much for joining us. Could you uh, give us a little bit of background about yourself? Hi, yeah. Uh, so my name is Chris Guerrero. Um, I'm originally from a small town outside Fresno, California. Uh, I've been making movies ever since I could make movies, I think. Um, I also started off in radio, which is uh, kind of a fascinating oh, cool. thing about me. Um, my dad was a sixth grade teacher, and he ran a radio station out of his classroom. And so I got like an eye for storytelling, an eye, an ear for storytelling <laughs> uh, when I was really, really young. Um, and so then when I left my small town, I went to UC Santa Cruz and got a film degree there. And then when the financial aid, uh, the financial aid crisis, the financial crisis hit, I went to USC for grad school. And then, so my trajectory from there was, I, I started working at Buzzfeed and a lot of these social media sites because it was just a job and it would like just happen to be something that was starting at that point. It was like a way in, mm -hmm. I think. And um, so that's kind of where my journey started. And I worked for a place called Super Deluxe. And then I went and worked as an executive producer for The Rock's YouTube channel for a while. Um, and I started freelance directing and uh, creating branded content for places like Roku and Funny or Die and Viacom. And, um, and now I teach at USC uh, directing class. That's awesome. How, so how long have you been freelance directing for now? Well, I mean, I think I've always been freelance directing since I moved down to LA um it's kind of just something that always falls in your lap as a filmmaker it's like someone says something mm -hmm. to somebody and they're like oh that guy makes stuff like you should put him in things and so uh when I first moved to LA I started like working for magazines it was like right before like the big blow up of like BuzzFeed and all these social media things mm -hmm. so I started working like like shooting videos for magazines that would go on their like um, their web page and stuff. And so I've always been kind of freelance directing. And I, I really encourage everyone I know to just go out and kind of just do create videos. Um, mm -hmm. So I'd say I've been freelance directing since like 2008. As, okay. as much Very as cool. I can. Um, it just, and that's the business of filmmaking is that you're always sort of doing like 10 different hats at the same time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I imagine I you can that. feel that. <laughs> yeah, at the uh, the film fund, we're doing a bunch of projects at the same time right now. I mean, I have the film fund, and then there's uh, FF Branded, which we're getting off the ground, a branded content agency. Then there's TAV Films, my production company that I'm doing my short film, The Toms, with. So yeah, I definitely understand the multiple hats thing. Um, but that's so cool. So your advice is to really just get behind the camera um, and just start shooting stuff, whether it's branded, unbranded, for magazine for yourself yeah it, like whenever you can do something creative i say just go and do it um, mm -hmm. which is hard and that's why i say do it wherever you can do you have a <laughs> preference um whether it's shooting branded stuff or unbranded stuff 
Um, I'm always ex- more excited about my personal creative work mm-hmm. just because it's it's something that represents me. When I'm doing something else for someone else, it, it feels a little bit more freeing because you're not tied to like, does this represent me? Is this mm-hmm. who I am? It allows you just to sort of be like someone else for a day, which is kind of yeah. cool. The, uh, the audio um, cut out for a sec. You didn't say Freudian, did you? No, I didn't. <laughs> I was like, wait, where is he going with this? Is he that's so admit? funny. <laughs> no, no. I, I, what I was saying was that like, it's very freeing sometimes when freeing. you're working for somebody okay. else. Yeah, freeing. Yeah. That makes a lot um, more sense. <laughs> when you're doing something for somebody else versus yourself, but creative stuff that's for me is always more fulfilling because you mm-hmm. get to like figure out who you are when you're doing that stuff. For sure. Where do you, um, what's your inspiration for your personal work and what do you generally focus on? You know, it's funny. I, I had this conversation with my class a few weeks ago. Um, I think that my, I like to call it my point of view, my POV. It, it, it's changed and shift, changed and shift over the years. But originally, it was like discussing masculinity and um, the perils of masculinity. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a lot of my work that I did at BuzzFeed was sort of about masculinity and how toxic masculinity is bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and That's now, so cool. like, it into BuzzFeed. Yeah, I mean, I, it's 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 funny because it's sort of like it's always masked with comedy, right? You know, um, and it's it's sort of like like I helped create the Try Guys, uh, which was sort of part of. To me, I saw the Try Guys as sort of this like reduction of masculinity and sort of like exploring that and how masculinity is like you can have masculinity outside of being toxic, mm-hmm. and uh, so a lot of the work that I did was sort of like secretly all about that mm-hmm. that's so cool <laughs> you try and put your voice in everything you do and it's like that was my little slip in yeah. when i was working in buzzfeed projects mm-hmm. awesome and tell us a little bit about the try guys yeah. which is just guys who were tryhards or what <laughs> uh so the try guys uh were kind of one of their famous properties um it's just a group of guys that try stuff and uh and so i when one of my first videos i did a buzzfeed like helped create the foundation for them. They're now kind of like, I'm sure even some of the younger audience are like, oh yeah, of course, the Try Guys. Mm-hmm. And then it's like me. If I, if it was me and I never worked at BuzzFeed in my age, yeah. I would never know who the <laughs> Try Guys were. Mm-hmm. But it's like, you know, it's a property that gets like 50 million views anytime they put up a, wow. a video. That's crazy. So, um, but yeah, one of my first videos was like kind of the basis for that. Mm-hmm. And they went on and did their own thing with that, um, which was cool. But uh, it was cool to be like kind of the beginning part of the beginning of that thing. Very cool. And would you say, yeah, um, when you're teaching at USC, like where do you, I guess you draw on a lot of your experience, both on the personal work stuff and the corporate kind of kind of stuff, right? What do you generally teach? Yeah, uh, course wise. Uh, so it's a cl- it's a class that I actually developed myself. Oh, very cool. um, called creating viral comedy, and it's it's all about. I have the, like, most film classes, like, you make one film and everyone's, like, critiquing everybody and it's just all focused on this, like, critique of this one movie that you trudge mm-hmm. through through an entire semester. And my class is, like, every other week you're coming in with something. You've got to show it. It doesn't have to be good. It's there. You're there to experiment and just fail a ton mm-hmm. and learn from that failure over and over and over and over and over again. And that's something that I learned at BuzzFeed and, like, creating, like, viral content. It's, like, it just helps you learn faster and 
it gives you just it helps you find your voice faster um without this sort of like you have to make something perfect right mm-hmm. now like go make that perfect short film that's going to get the sundance because no one's going to do that on the right. first try you've got to fail like a hundred times before mm-hmm. that's going to happen for sure so. yeah we talk about failure a lot on this podcast um you know fail forward learn from your mistakes you, you kind of have to i like i like to say yeah. go out and make that shitty short film like i wrote a short yeah. film and you know just to, did it with my buddies um like my freshman year of college i wasn't in film school um and it was terrible like it was so bad but i didn't realize how bad it was at the time and i was burning all these dvds and sending them to festivals but that whole process taught me a lot um you know it taught me how to you know do blocking taught me how to work with I mean, they weren't professional actors, but how to work with actors and just the, the process. So um, if you're listening to this and you like just have a bunch of ideas and you haven't really done too much with them yet, like you don't have to have a huge budget to go make something. Just grab, you know, a camera, even if it's like yeah. I used a camera that usually, you know, wouldn't use filmmaking. It was a Nikon D3200 uh, DSLR. Like no one would use that on a film set, um, but it worked. It had a video mode and it taught me a lot. So, yeah, definitely agree with failure. Um as a, a really important process of, you know, creativity for sure. So tell us about your, uh, I was sorry, yeah, I stu- <laughs> Oh, I was just kidding. I didn't say, yeah, my, all the students in my class, they don't have professional film equipment. It's oh, all very cool. Phones. And that's sort of like, I, I'm all about like mm-hmm. limitations and just sort of like getting the work done. Um, and yeah, you, you get those like terrible things out of the way first. And honestly, they're not always terrible. There's always something inside of them mm-hmm. that is amazing, but you can, Latch on later. No, not at all. Sorry. I'm. Uh, I always say I'm a bad host. I always cut people off. Um, I was just going to ask about uh-huh. your uh, your pitch with the the film fund, what that project's about, and how that's coming along. Um. So uh, the oh yeah, my pitch. It's like I forget what's actually in the pitch, <laughs> but um, it turned into this into this project called Assimilated. Uh, so basically, it's this young uh, Latinx girl who comes home from college. And uh, she, like things are strange, and uh, it turns out there's an alien invasion happening, and then she, she doesn't know this until she finds her parents. Oh wow! It's in the basement. I think that's about what the pitch it's like was. Like invasion of the body. And it's it's, all, it's exactly so. It's sort of this um, like uh, Latinx, you know, uh, invasion of the body snatchers um, with like an E. Uh, to Mama Tambien, sort of like very okay. familial type, like like through line. So it's like it's both comedy and horror. The cool thing that that the film fund that pitch did for me is that it like pushed me to write that short film. It pushed me actually to write that feature because I was stuck mm-hmm. in the middle of pandemic. I couldn't really go out and shoot right. the short film version of that. At so you're that developing point. it into a feature too. Um, and so I wrote the already. Yeah, I already wrote it. Um, <laughs> From the time that I that I uh, was a finalist in film fund, and um, and that's gone on to be like a, a finalist. Oh no way! Slam the, dance, the feature script, a whole bunch of these festivals, which is really cool. Very cool. Congrats. Yeah, yeah. So it's 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 made me, um, and that's and it's funny that like you know it's like I wrote that short film version based on that pitch, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, I have that. And went and wrote the feature version, and then learned a whole bunch of stuff doing the feature version, and then and now have. Back infuse that back into the short film script so hopefully getting ready to shoot Love that. that very very soon um yeah, it's definitely a unique pitch yeah. I, re- I remember it now like the basement and the the duplicates in the basement it's like oh there's there's something here um and you know mm-hmm. kind of uh injecting the latinx 
plot into there as well, um, adding some more depth to it. And it's really unique. I'm um, excited to see it for sure. Awesome. Yeah, it's and it's something close to my heart because my family assimilated mm -hmm. into, you know, it, it's funny with like Latinx people, like assimilation is just sort of like the baseline for everything. It's like not only did the Spaniards come over and like assimilate, you know, Aztec and like native cultures, they then like coming to America, you have to then assimilate yeah. here and sort of that through line and that narrative of all of like that trauma and then adding that extra layer mm -hmm. of like an alien invasion um, was just very is the theme of to me. And also I grew okay. up, you know, in like yeah. the nineties. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. X-Files and stuff. Um, is the theme of <laughs> so, black goo uh, masculinity. <laughs> is that kind of through this story as well? So, no, I, I mean, I think, well, yeah, I mean, I imagine there are elements of that, but the POV for this, my POV has kind of shifted over the last couple of years into sort of like exploring uh, my Latinx identity and um, in a similar fashion of how I explored masculinity, um, sort of just exposing the, the kind of like generational trauma mm -hmm. and stuff. It's like, just like how masculinity right. has done. I mean, you know, in Latinx culture, it's mm -hmm. like the cheese is a huge thing. And um, the main character in this film is a, is a woman, but she's dealt with, you know, mm -hmm. the other side of masculinity, as it were. So I think, I mean, that's a big, important thing of it. But I think it's also sort of now I'm sort of focusing on mm -hmm. that Latinx identity, which is exciting to me because I haven't really explored that because I yeah. was afraid of that part of myself for so long. Because it's like movies aren't getting made mm -hmm. about Latinx people, really. So I, you know, it's just sort of like I felt like I had to be someone else. But now it's like, yeah, I no, no, I love that. I mean, the... <laughs> Be, like you've got to be authentic to who you are like exactly. this is the story that needs to be told this is it's like those stories in your head that they're, they're always there and you're like no i can't do that because no one's gonna care yeah and i'm like wait a second who cares you know mm. it takes a while to get there though i, I don't think anyone can like do that in yeah. the first swing like dig deep you've got to really mm. yeah and i think you use a really great out. word their authenticity i mean that's what people want to see in storytelling um i think it's why a lot of people i mean yeah, yeah. comic books are fun but that's it's why a lot of independent filmmakers and people who generally respect film as an art form don't like all the Marvel movies because they're they're not authentic anymore. I mean, yeah, sure, you can have like I'm sure there are some rewarding moments in those stories and the plots are good and they can get emotional sometimes, but there there are just so many of them now that it's diluted and it's like, oh, can we churn out now? What what IP can we repurpose to make a billion dollars? You know, I'm, I'm exaggerating, but um, I think finding like authentic stories is still so, so important. It's why I love indie film because, you know, most independent filmmakers, they're drawing from their own experiences. They're drawing from their, their own lives and they're still telling those stories that are important. They're not like saying, oh, I'm going to make a Superman movie now. Um, so I think being authentic and really finding um, like a true storyline within what you believe in is, is really important. And that's so cool that you're doing that. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that it's, you, you, you know, mm -hmm. I don't think you can do that on your first try, though. Um, I mean, maybe you can, but it's always sort of like each time, every step you take, it's like strive to find that yeah. authenticity in yourself. Um, it's funny that you mention Marvel movies, uh, because I, it, it, it's funny how history kind of has repeats itself, you know, like, you know, this time in filmmaking here history, like, 
100 years ago mm-hmm. that's exactly how films were made we're in this sort of like shop factory like we're mm-hmm. churning out the same thing over and over and over again and then we grew out of that right like the thin man series or even like there was like a superman series that happened back in the 20 like like back in the 40s and 50s where it's mm-hmm. just like they churned them out every week like it was just like everyone wanted this superman story or everyone wanted this story and it was sort of just like yeah. a factory floor of like we're going to be churning this stuff out in the studio system and then that all like got blown up with like the new cinema in the 60s and 70s and i'm mm-hmm. hoping that that's what happens now right like that we kind of get to the point where oh like yeah. we're kind of done with like this factory version mm-hmm. of filmmaking and yeah i think get back um, to basics. the great thing too about you know how it's different from that old period when they were churning out films and that kind of dominated the studio landscape i mean there's just the i mean i'm going to sound people have been saying this for years now but accessibility to equipment equipment is so much easier now you can pick up your phone and shoot a film you know buy a 15 dollar app filmic pro and you can adjust yeah. the settings and learn exposure and you know basic things like that um so i think it's a lot easier to say like okay screw this big marvel movie i'm going to tell a story i'm passionate about and yeah you're not going to hit it out of the park on your first try you're not probably even going to get close to the subject matter that you're talking about on that first try with that authentic story like i found that too like i started doing comedies um as a way to i think deal with some like trauma i went through when i was younger and i wasn't like i tried to write about it but i never i was always afraid to kind of get there thinking it was too um like cliched or too dramatic or something like that but as i developed my writing voice a little bit um I realized I really like dark comedy. I like black humor. And then that gets me closer to like the drama and maybe the actual story I'm trying to tell. I'm confused there. So um, yeah, I think it's definitely a a process of finding your voice and finding out what actually is authentic to you and and what you want to be saying with your work. Yeah. and, And it takes a long time. And, you know, I even, I think filmmaker, I don't think you ever know exactly mm-hmm. 100% what your voice is or what your authenticity is. I think we're all striving to get there. It's like we're all on a journey of learning. And I think that's the one thing that I've learned is this this sort of like you mm-hmm. never, you haven't really learned it all and you never will. So yeah. just sort of like enjoy the journey of that um, and keep striving. It's like you can never... You can never be, mm-hmm. you're never going to be exactly what you envision yourself to be. It's like, even Christopher Nolan wishes right. he was like, like, you know, Alfred Hitchcock or something. Like, and that will mm-hmm. never happen. You can and never I'm sure Alfred Hitchcock, uh, Alfred Hitchcock wanted to be whoever. whoever his idol um, was it's just, in that time. Yeah. Exactly. It, and it just kind of goes on. Mm-hmm. His, like, history just kind of, you know, goes through those cycles and yeah. will never be what we envision ourselves yeah. in our heads. No, 100% that's agree like perfection with perfection and perfection. What are your possible. thoughts on film festivals? Um, I know, yeah. just segueing into that, I know you said you're a finalist in Slamdance for your feature script. Uh, do you have any other film festival experience you could speak about? Yeah, I mean, I've been to tons of festivals. Uh, I've, mm-hmm. um, I've also been to, I've been to Sundance, but like not with a film or a project. And I, to me, film festivals are fantastic for meeting people. They're fantastic for mm-hmm. like networking and connecting with like like-minded people. Um, I think they're a really important, vital thing. I didn't feel that way until a couple of years ago. I thought like film festivals were sort of like an archaic institution that 
you know, we're going to probably disappear. Uh, but when I finally sort of like bit the bullet and started submitting to festivals for projects, I was like, oh, wait a second. Like the value here isn't like, oh, your film's going to be seen by some big executive and they're going to like care about it. It's that you're going to make a community of filmmakers who you then mean are like excited mm -hmm. about things and you, then you start like right. having those connections and people are like, Hey, what, what are you working on? Can mm -hmm. I help? And then it's just sort of like, it's just cascades. So film festivals are fantastic for mm -hmm. connecting with people. Do you think it's realistic to find a maybe a manager a representation or an executive um, at a film festival? Or do you think that's kind of less common these days? I I think it's super less common. I, I, I think unless you're like at mm -hmm. a, a massive film festival like South by Southwest or Sundance, mm -hmm. it's like, it's not probably going to happen, you know, that you, but it might be that you meet right. someone at a festival who introduces you to somebody who introduces you to somebody and like a year after or two years after that mm -hmm. you get that representation because of that connection that you made <laughs> at that festival. I like to think about it as dating, you know, like, uh, <laughs> I didn't meet my fiance on Tinder, but if I wasn't on Tinder and I didn't meet specific people and become friends mm -hmm. with specific people because of wow. those dates and those interactions with people, I would have never met my fiance. So it's all about sort of like mm -hmm. making those connections, building that community, finding your tribe. And I think those connections follow after. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know how reasonable it is to say like, mm -hmm. oh, like th like a film festival is going to give you X. Like to expect that, to think that it's going to do something for you, like like fix your wildest dreams, like this $30 entrance fee. It's like, yeah. and also like most films at film festivals are awful, they're terrible. Like, and, and you're like, mm -hmm. oh, wait a second. Like, am I awful, am I terrible? But it's all like perspective, right? So like right. those films, they might not be for you because it's a film festival. You know, so it, it's and we have to remember, like, mm -hmm. if it, especially if it's a short film, like there's probably a 100 short films playing at that festival. And it's just it's like everything's a numbers game and like yeah. people seeing that's, it. I mean, that's great time. insight. Um, I think a lot like, of good things take filmmakers, time. myself included, you know, you grow up thinking like, oh, you know, I need to make this this film and submit it and get into Sundance. And then some manager or agent or big producer will see it and they'll come up to me and they'll say like, Hey, I liked that. Like, I mean, represent you. I want to make a movie with you. That doesn't always happen. Um, you know, it's more what Chris is saying. You go there, you screen your film, you meet some like-minded people. Um, maybe it's another director, maybe it's a writer, maybe it's, maybe it is a manager, but, um, it's more about meeting people and growing your community and really like networking at the end of the day. Um, I like that. I, I know networking sounds like a dirty word to a lot of people, especially creative types. They're like, oh, I don't wanna, I don't wanna network. I don't wanna be on LinkedIn. I hate all that. But really when you're networking yeah. about something you're passionate about, like let's say filmmaking, it's really just like making friends and having conversations and talking with people. And that's what can lead to, I think, big career steps for sure. Yeah, and I also think that like, you know, when you go to a film festival mm -hmm. and you're a person who's like there just to get something out of it, um, just to be like, I'm only here because mm -hmm. I like I need a manager and I want um, to meet executives and like that's all I care about. It, you exactly. go there with yeah, that mentality, that. like no one's gonna, everyone thinks is gonna think you're a jerk. <laughs> you know, it's like it's it's everyone is there for a film too, 
and everyone mm -hmm. is everyone is there like exactly you're yeah, on a like level playing be, field like you're all peers if you're not this way peers. already i don't really know why you're interested in film because film's such a collaborative medium but and like but well, i don't know when i i had a short script in holly shorts a few years ago and i was just so excited to be there um like just talking with other filmmakers um watch i wanted to see every screening block i could like basically lived in the the theater all day just watching shorts uh it was fantastic you know met some really cool people um learned a lot about the industry and about just everything you know it was kind of this was before i started the film fund too and it, i learned about just how hard it is to fund a film um so like going to those festivals like no i didn't get signed i didn't get yeah. a big deal i didn't win the the competition but i talked with like and a crazy amount of filmmakers and i asked them how'd you get the funding for this or like you know how did you produce this how did you do that and i was really doing um research really without even knowing it um just on like how to create the film fund and how to be a producer um and get things off the ground so that's just one example of like something unexpected that came out of my festival experience um you know, like just going with an open mind i think is super important yeah and, and film festivals like holly shorts and like very specifically short film festivals uh, there's some of my favorite festivals because there's just so many people there and there's so many people who mm. are just excited to make movies. Whereas like yeah. other festivals tend to be like feature focused and, right. you know, making a feature film, it, it, it like astronomically more amounts of money and just ask mm. astronomically more amounts of time. And, you know, it, there's a certain type of, like once you get to making those features, it's like a completely different level than short films. And mm -hmm. I think, you know, places like Holly Shorts or like LA Film, LA Shorts or Palm Springs International Shorts Festival, those places are like where you can really build community because those are people who are like, mm -hmm. like I'm excited about making short films, I'm building my career, like we're all on the same level, let's get connected. Mm -hmm. And yeah, uh, that's awesome. yeah, I really love Holly Shorts. When were you there? This was, God, I'm trying to think, like five years ago. I a while ago. I, I live like I don't know, like three three miles from Hollywood, so I'm I always oh, really? go to Hollywood shorts if cool. I can. That's so awesome. If you're ever back out yeah, here, you there, let me know. Uh... Let's, <laughs> let's hang yeah, out. I'm uh I'm in post production of uh, my short film right now, The Toms, and I'm planning on submitting it to Holly Shorts. Um, you know, hopefully we'll get accepted there. We'll see. But yeah, if I if I'm out in L.A. Um, another cool festival I was at out there was called Dances with Films yeah, was, for Americano. One, yeah. um, that was a good one too. Mm. Yeah, I had uh, my short Car Stealers premiered at Dances with Films a few years back. Oh, very cool. Yeah. Did you meet anyone interesting there in terms of community building? Yeah, I mean, Dances with Films is another really great festival. It's because it's very shorts focused. So, okay. I mean, they do have features and stuff, but it, it really feels like, and it's all—it's funny because it's all in the same place. It's all at the like the TCL right, yeah. Chinese theater. <laughs> so it's like you always get deja vu when you're back in those spaces. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I thought I thought that was because they're really focused on community building there and being like a very mm -hmm. independent festival. And so yeah, they had a ton of events and yeah, it was pretty cool. Yeah, for like the LA experience, there was this one hotel, Roosevelt um, probably. Yes, the Roosevelt mm -hmm. by the pool. I was like, go to the pool, party, and I was like sitting there, get the bar, like, this is cool. Yeah, the Roosevelt is, <laughs> I mean, pool. that's like old school. That's where the first yeah. uh, Oscars was held, if, I, if I'm correct. Oh, really? Yeah, I didn't in that know lobby. that. Yep. That's so cool. Wow. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you were, we were talking about the film fund a little bit. You said one of your favorite things about it was that it got you to really 
finish that script and write write the feature version and really yeah. hone in on your narrative. Can you tell me a little bit about the process in terms of, you know, did you envision this as a feature first and then kind of port it to a short film version? Or what, what was the progression like there? You know, I wasn't even thinking about it as a short. It was just sort of like, I never really think of my films as, as being like a short film or a feature or a series. I kind of always think about the story first mm -hmm. and I try to kind of live and breathe it. So I never like write any ideas down. I mean, I do all write things down, just like thoughts or pieces of things. But mm -hmm. like I, I try to live and breathe like the story in my mind for as long as I can until okay. it sort of like gets to a point where it's like, okay, this is so clear. Now it kind of comes out onto the page. Mm -hmm. um, so when I, I think when I was thinking, I like to, anything I do, I like to, to try and create the simplest form of it first. Okay. So like the film fund is really great for that because you're like, oh, just a log line. Yep. And the log line is so powerful because it, it could be anything, but it also becomes so specific once you get it written down. Mm -hmm. And so that really helped focus like, what are the pieces that I, I need to tell like a very clear short story mm -hmm. with that log line. And then it's like, once you get that short story, it's interesting how like that can become a feature. I think like some of the best feature films are based off of just a little snippet or like a short story, like mm -hmm. um, Shawshank Redemption was based on like, like a 10 page short story. And then you're able to kind of breathe life into something small to make it just like slightly bigger. Features don't have a lot of stuff to them. They're mm. just kind of visually a lot of things, yeah. which I find fascinating. So it's like the simplest ideas tend to make the best features or the best shorts. Mm. Do you think a lot of people talk about, um, you know, make the short first, then make the future version of it. Do you think that's still a viable strategy in terms of growing your filmmaking career? I, I mean, I think so. I, I think anytime you get to attempt to make something, like making the short first can get all of the bad stuff out of the way. Like mm -hmm. all the problems that you will run into in the feature, you would run into in the short as well. And like with mm -hmm. the short, you don't spend as much money. Right. And you get to test out all the things that you want to test out. Mm -hmm. And to me, it's all about testing. It's all about like, oh, does this concept work? And if you can make that concept work as a short, it's going to be a lot easier to make that concept of concept work as a feature. Mm -hmm. Um, I also think that it's, you know, if you're going out to people, it's always easier to be like, Hey, I have the short too. Mm -hmm. Like, this is what I'm thinking. And, you know, especially if it's like five minutes, like an exec, you'll watch, will watch that or right. someone will watch that. And going out to people, you mean in terms of trying to fundraise for a feature? Yeah. Yeah. For your feature. Mm -hmm. And so it's always easier to have something visual that's like, Oh, like I know what I'm doing. Right. Um, especially if the short, you feel the short is like works really, really mm -hmm. well. Um, or, you know, you make the short, you don't like it all that much, and you, like, kind of toss it aside, but you've learned all the mistakes first, mm -hmm. you know, and maybe you go out and you try again. Yeah, I think that's great. Um, and that's always something people look for when they're investing in things, um, you know, prior experience, like, what have you done before? Uh, it's like, oh, I have this yeah. short film, and look, it looks fantastic, and, um, you know, gotten to this festival, and won this word, maybe, you know, it depends on the person you're talking to, they may not care about that as much, but... Um, just as a filmmaker yourself, it gives you that validation, like, okay, I, I've done something before, rather than just trying to jump into a feature. You might have six feature scripts written, but to make that jump from, you know, short filmmaking to feature filmmaking uh, is a big step. Um, it's one I haven't taken yet. 
So I think, yeah, I think you know, making shorts uh, is really a great way to experiment, find your voice, like we were talking about earlier too, and have something to show people. Like, hey, I'm ready to take that next step in my career. This is kind of the stuff I've been doing so far. I want to do something kind of in this vein. Um, so yeah, I think it's a great strategy too. Yeah, and and with this film specifically, I um I never make I've never made a horror film before. Okay. Um, and that's what the this this short is definitely like a horror sci-fi film and I'd never really like been in that genre before. And so earlier this year, I, because like the assimilated short film is, is, is elevated. It's not like the cheapest short film idea mm. I've had in a long time. And so I, I was like, Oh man, like I've never done a horror before. Like, what if I just made something really quick in like a day mm. that like tested out like the Latinx identity, tested out horror stuff. So I actually made like a very, very short film um called canceled which is about sort of like like uh this like this tiktok influencer who's sort of appropriating um like day of the dead culture and then she gets attacked by like a like a spirit um they kill they kill her Uh, and so i just like made it in like a day Mm -hmm. came like wrote a script in like a day and then now that's getting in festivals so it's like that's just another Mm -hmm. test so it's like you may have this really great idea but you're like i don't know how to execute it and I, I've never done this certain thing before. It's like, make an even shorter film yeah. version of that. Make an even, like, what's the three-minute mm-hmm. version of that? Test that out. Like, if that's feeling good, go on and make that next level up. You know, you don't always have to, like, swing for yeah. a home run. And it might even be easier to, like, get that thing made. And then, you know, then it's sort of like, oh, and then I have this other mm-hmm. thing. What's, then this other thing connects for to canceled, this thing. did you have a so. budget to work with? No. So I guess you drew on that um, community that you've been building. So for it yeah and i drew on that community and i mean it was only like three or four mm. people on set it was like COVID times so it was like keeping everything really lean i shot it in oh, this nice. exact room where we're just where like we're your own equipment. right now um yeah it's my own equipment uh just a couple of lights all in one space uh it just takes place in this room mm-hmm. and that's it and i was kind of amazed at like how well it turned out because i like limited myself yeah. so much that like it's funny how like those limitations actually make for Mm -hmm. better storytelling and you, cause you don't have to like, it's like, Oh, I don't need that tracking shot or I don't need this. I don't need to have, I don't have to do all these insane things. It's just this very small scale thing. Um, And then it lets it come through a little bit more. So what, uh, you've got a lot of stuff Mm -hmm. you're working on, uh, USC, your short films, feature films you're writing. Um, what's next for you in the next year or so? Um, I'm hoping that there's a couple other features that I've written that are very small, um, that can take place in like a house. I'm hoping that that I can get like that sort of feature mm-hmm. off the ground. Um, and hopefully getting this assimilated done in the next mm-hmm. six months or so that short film, um, continue like also revamping the assimilated script to go out and try and sell. Uh, it's for film. I think filmmaking, it's sort of like how many irons in the fire can you have at the same time? Uh, Because you'll never know what what thing is the thing that actually happens when you actually get to go and do. That's something I struggle with too. Um, And then also building. (laughs) Like, I'm doing the film fund. Yeah, totally. And And it's so much marketing work. It's like, oh, I'm doing the newsletter, I'm doing the social. It's like, I need to, I'm looking at, you know, maybe delegating some of that so I can actually focus on what I want to do. Like, you know, doing short films, doing the film fund is great. I'm super passionate about the community that I've built and 
all the content we put out and funding short films, but it's like at the end of the day, all right, well, like I want to do, <laughs> I want to do filmmaking too. So yeah, I definitely understand the irons in the fire. Yeah, it's, it's, mm -hmm. and also making money, you know, I, I think it, it also comes down to like, how do you support yourself yeah. and how do you support yourself creatively, which is sort of why I teach and I'm sort of constantly going after branded content. I'm trying to like break in as mm -hmm. a commercial director too, to sort of like, like be making kind of bigger budget commercials while also being able to like go and right. do my own personal creative things. It's sort of balancing those, the commercial side of yourself and mm -hmm. the like creative side of yourself. And I think both of those things are very important because it mm -hmm. helps inform the other, like knowing what things work commercially can help your creative stuff. So you can like make those creative decisions that mm -hmm. make your stuff more commercial, you know? Um, so it's a sort of constant battle between, you know, being super creative and mm -hmm. like going out and trying to think the money. opposite is true too. Um, and I think like learning those, creative stuff helps commercial. Yeah. I think work. the opposite. Yeah. So it's like doing those two things help each mm -hmm. other out. They raise each other up. And so constantly trying to do those things. I don't think mentorship is huge, which is why I teach. Because the, the funny thing about teaching is that, like, also 90% of the time you're learning mm. from your students, too. Like, everybody's learning together. And that's the most exciting thing about, like, teaching. So I'd say, like, find like find a mentor or meet, mentee mm. relationship, too. Like, go out there. And if you feel like you're at a point where, like, you can teach someone, mm. like, all the things that you wish you knew, like, yeah. help help people out with that. Like, you know, learning, like, 90% of it is learning, mm -hmm. like, all the things yeah, 100%. not to do. <laughs> so, um, and you'll, it's so fulfilling to sort of help someone who's new to it, but you'll learn so much if you yeah. do, you know. So, I'm, I'm always push people to say, like, you know, find someone to help, mm -hmm. like, work on someone else's projects, like, um, you know, until you feel like maybe yeah. and, I'm a big like believer in that huge, as well, for sure. That's the thing that um, we're lacking. And that's for any industry, too. I mean, like I have a I guess you could call him a mentor, friend, former professor um, gives me tons of advice, you know, on the film fund, FF branded. And it's like just so helpful because he's been there. He's more more of a product developer, entrepreneur ship person than film. But in any any industry, like it's it's helpful to have kind of like a guide to go to and it's rewarding for them too you know they get to share their knowledge they get to help you know like generally someone who's younger a younger mind um out so i think you know having someone who's done that with film especially someone who's done the festival thing who's done branded content who's done everything um is just so helpful to have someone there like a guiding light yeah and and you'll be amazed at sort of like mm -hmm. how it it helps focus yourself too when, when you're doing that sort of thing you start to see like what really matters and you start like mining those like great specifics of why mm. things worked for you or yeah, didn't work totally for agree you. with that too um so what else can we talk about we're at the end of our script here do you have anything else you want to add chris <laughs> <laughs> oh man uh Go out yeah, there and make films, make everybody. <laughs> I think it's so important. <laughs> and keep making films. Um, yeah, I, I really, I really hope that the the future of like independent filmmaking, like I really hope that it, independent filmmaking becomes the forefront of the filmmaking conversation, and that people care about it more and 
my big fear, you know, for our future is that like places like Netflix and like Disney Plus and all these sort of VOD services mm-hmm. sort of overlook new voices. They they focus completely on like already existing IP and like no one no yeah. no one takes a chance on anybody creatively anymore. And you know, with the fact that like Hollywood is not has not historically focused on diversity and diversity of voices and and like you know the biggest audience population is like outside of like white people is latinx people and there's just no latinx films and it's like why right and we have all these we have these amazing filmmakers who have all these amazing stories to tell and then we're just continually telling the same story over and over and over again from the same like three or four directors who are getting Oscar nominations. It's just sort of like, why are we doing this? I think it's just for money. But the irony is, is like, if we started to focus mm-hmm. on these other people, we might even make more money, you know? So my hope is that that we are able to mm-hmm. get to a new golden age of independence. You're making me really excited, Chris, because I have all these ideas about coming, coming how to fund forward. independent filmmakers on the feature level <laughs> with the film fund. Uh, it's just all about, yeah. Yeah, we I should definitely talk about, about it. it. I would love to help you with that, man. Yeah. <laughs> so we need to have another. I need to figure out how to connection. stop. <laughs> I had a digital producer working part time for a little while. I mentioned him on the podcast before, um, and you know that was kind of over yeah. the pandemic. You know, he got like furloughed or something from his full time job, so he's just kind of doing it to have something. And then he went back to work full time, and I ended up just doing it myself again. But I, I really should. I want to step, I love the film fund. I want to step away from like the nitty gritty marketing work of the film fund. Cause I have bigger ideas like the feature film funding program that I came up with like, God, like two years ago now. And it's just sitting in a slide deck on my laptop and I just, I want to fucking do it. Um, so we should definitely talk in the future. I know. And uh, I'm not going to share the exact details on the podcast yet, but uh, happy to talk uh, in the future and, and work together yes. on fleshing that out for sure. Yeah, let's do it. I'll hit you up after this yeah, uh, recording. Chris, let's I want to thank it. you so much again. Um, what are your social media channels and online presence so people out there can check you out? So uh, I have the screen name that I've used since I've, <laughs> I had AIM back in like 94. Mindshock, okay. M-I-N-D-S-H-A-W-K. All of my socials are that. So uh, you can find me on Was that Twitter, your first screen Instagram, name? Facebook. A lot better than mine. Um, That's so funny. We talked about screen names. Yeah. And I, was I think like, on you know, the last podcast recording, it. that hasn't been released yet. My first screen <laughs> name was TurtleBoy9596 because I really liked turtles. So you, I think yours is a lot cooler than mine. Um. <laughs> I it's I just can't believe that it's yeah. like no one ever took those screen Mind names because it doesn't have any numbers. It's a cool or one. Yeah. I was like, I was always the worst of screen names. My PlayStation ID was Tom52. Um, yeah, it's not, I'm not the most, I named the film fund, the film fund, like not very creative, whatever tangent. Uh, Chris, thanks so much. Check out mind shock on social, um, latest contests have closed, but if you're listening at a later date, maybe they're open. I don't know. Check out the website, thefilmfund.co. sign up for our newsletter for the most up-to-date information. Uh, check out our social media channels at the film fund on Instagram, film fund co on Facebook simply film fund on twitter i want to thank our sponsors expressway cinema rentals who sponsored a uh two-day prize for this past contest that like they have been for 
a lot of contests recently. So I want to give them a big shout out. We really, really appreciate you guys. Um, you, you really make a difference to me and to the filmmakers who receive the prizes. And remember, check out our website for the Learn page. It used to be called the blog. Now it's Learn. Filmmaking, producing tips. You learn how to do shit, uh, how to write a screenplay, how to get funding, how to edit using free tools online. It's a bunch of free resources out there you can check out. Um, and we have an ebook on that page as well. You can go to the resources page to check that out too. I want to thank everyone for listening again. Um, tune in every Friday. We've been releasing these episodes every other Friday. So this one will air in a few weeks from now. Chris, thank you so much, and uh, I will talk to you soon.